Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's going on, friends and fam? Good to see you guys today. Thanks for crashing the party. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Hey, if you're joining us online, thanks for tuning in today. We'd love to see you sometime here in the house soon. But uh, listen, as Aaron was saying, we're jumping back into the book of Luke. We got 21 days of prayer uh, starting tomorrow. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, who are you? Like, what's going on here? Are we not friends? Like, what are we doing here? Let's take our next step in our relationship together, okay? Download the app. We got a podcast dropping tomorrow. We'll drop a, a new podcast every day of the 21 days of prayer. So if you just can't get enough of this sultry voice, uh, then there'll be, a, <laughs> there'll be a 20, no comment, right? There'll be a 21-day podcast all, all through this next 21 days. And really, I'd love to encourage you. You can do anything for 21 days, right? Uh, what if you took a next step right now and you decided to pray for the next 21 days. Let's see what God will do. Um, our church is also reading through the book of Luke together. We got a 24-week series through the book of Luke. We took a little hiatus uh, last week to talk about what it means to be under the cloud from Exodus 33. Uh, that's going to be the, uh, the podcast tomorrow morning, just digging deeper down into that. Um, but uh, today is actually the fourth Sunday, fourth day in the Luke series. So here's what we're doing. There's 24 sermons in this series, 24 chapters in the book of Luke. Quick math, that's one chapter a week. So if you want to jump in with us, we're on week four. You can read Luke chapter four and hundreds of people across all three of our campuses are, are doing that together. So I want to encourage you, man, get in, get in on that. So I want to go to Luke 11 today, getting back into it. And I want to pose this question to you to kick it off. If you could ask Jesus to teach you one thing, what would it be? One, one thing. Uh, think about all that Jesus did. Uh, maybe for you, you would say, Jesus, that, that time where you took the one lunch and you fed 5,000 people with it, could you teach me how to do that? Because if you wanted to open up a restaurant, you could make some money right there. Like if you could make one meal and it would feed 5,000 people, that's, that's get rich quick right there. Jesus, could you teach me how to do that? Maybe that, that'd be what you would want to know. Healing the sick. Jesus healed the sick all the time. You know how much money we spend on health care? You know, like, like we had to shut everything down from COVID. If you could heal people, you'd be like, you got COVID. Not anymore, you don't. <laughs> we could save so much money, so much time. There'd be no doctors, no trying to get appointments, no hospitals. All of that would be gone if Jesus could teach you how to do what, what he did. Is that what you would, is that what you would ask him? Would you ask Jesus how to raise somebody from the dead? You remember that time he raised Lazarus from the dead? Everybody's crying, all emotional. Jesus is like, what's going on? What is everybody crying for? And he just walks up to the tomb. Dude's been in there for two days. It's starting to stink a little bit already. Jesus says, come on out, Lazarus. Lazarus walks out. You know what a fun party trick that would be? Like, that'd be pretty cool to learn how to do. There was actually only, only one time in the Bible where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something. Specifically said, Jesus, teach us to. And, and they did not say, Jesus, teach us to heal a blind or a deaf or a crippled person. They did not say, Jesus, teach us how to resurrect someone from the dead after they died. Jesus, teach us how to preach a sermon where thousands of people will begin to follow you and we can really grow a movement. He, he didn't say, teach us how you died 
and then three days later, you came back to life. He does not say, teach us how to turn water into wine. They didn't even look at Jesus and say, teach us how to Dougie. No, one time, one time in the scriptures, they say, Jesus, please teach me how to do something. Jesus taught one master class in all of scripture, and we see it in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. See, the the disciples noticed something. The way that Jesus prayed was different. Now, I'm not being critical of anyone, but like you ever heard somebody pray and it it just feels like just like a canned prayer? Like it's it's the same prayer that they always pray. It's just something they memorized or or maybe just something that they they wrote out. And, And it's almost like when some people pray, they don't even know. It sounds like they don't know who they're talking to. You ever talk to a complete stranger, right? Versus talking to somebody that you really know. And so instead of this canned, very robotic, rehearsed prayer, when the disciples heard Jesus talk, they were like, hold up, something's different about you. See, because when you pray, Jesus, whatever you pray for, God does. When you pray, you act like you know the people that you are praying towards. Like, like when you speak of God, you, you know him. How is that? And so that's what they wanted to say. Like, teach us how to do that. The greatest request that the disciples had made, the most significant request that they ever asked Jesus was there in verse one. And it says, teach us how to to pray. And in verse two, it says this, and he said to them, when you pray, say this, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now, if you grew up in, in public school playing sports, this isn't the version of the prayer that you memorized. There's another Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's the same prayer, but it's found in the book of Matthew, and it's a little bit longer, a little bit more extensive. And so maybe that's the one that, like, when, when you played right before the game, your coach said, all right, everybody take a knee. It don't matter if you're Christian, love Jesus, know God. It don't, like, everybody, this is what we're doing, and we're going to chant it out. We're going to say, we're going to repeat the Lord's Prayer. That's found in the book of Matthew. In, in the book of Luke, it's a condensed version, but I love how Jesus jumps right to it. Did you see that? When they said, hey, uh, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Jesus was like, man, that's a good question, man. I need some time to think about that. Let me put together something, and uh, in a few days, I'll come back to you. Now, Jesus immediately, verse 2 says, and immediately Jesus said, let me teach you how to do it. Here, here's what you need to do. Here's, here's how that, that looks like. It, it almost seems like Jesus replied so quickly, it feels like Jesus was actually waiting on them to ask this. And that's when it dawned on me. Did you know that there are certain things that God has for your life that you will never know and never understand and never receive until you ask for it? Jesus, out of all the time he knew the disciples, he had not taught them how to pray. He was simply waiting on them to ask. See, I believe that God has open doors and opportunities. He's got next steps for every person in this room. There are blessings that God has for your life, and I believe some of them you will never receive until you ask. Billy Graham once said, heaven is going to be filled with answers to prayers that people never prayed. Man, that's a pretty sobering thought right there. Jesus wanted these guys to know how to have that relationship, how to talk with God, and he waited on them to ask. And as soon as they asked, he's like, man, I'm glad you asked. Let's go, fam. Come on. Now, let me teach you. Let's, let's, let's dig right down into it. And, and one of the first things he talks about is, is not 
what you should pray. I don't want you to walk away with this, that, that Jesus is saying, when you pray, you just need to recite the Lord's Prayer. He's not giving us a script to say, can you say the Lord's Prayer? Absolutely. But Jesus isn't saying, pray like, like, like this, pray these words. I believe Jesus is not teaching us what to pray. He's teaching us why we pray. And, and here's my hope for you right now. I'm not trying to guilt you into thinking you don't pray enough or ever how much you do pray, you need to times five it this year or, or what. I'm not here to guilt you or shame you. I think if you grasp these five reasons why you should pray, why we should pray, I believe it's gonna activate something in your heart. Because when you know the why, the what comes naturally. And so Jesus gives us these things, five things. If you're taking notes, jot these down. If you've got your Luke notebook or all of it is in the, in the Revo app right now. Here's the first thing we see as Jesus introduces this prayer. Number one, jot it down. Prayer connects you with God. Prayer connects you with God. Immediately, Jesus says this. When you pray, say, Father. Father, speak the name of God. Say, Father. And here's the deal. If I'm walking around in a room and uh, somebody yells out my name, I immediately look over at them. Who are you? What do you want? You immediately have my attention. But if I'm in a room and somebody says, hey, yo, bro, dude, hey, guy, hey, guy with the red shirt on, you. Like, I'm like, you're not talking to me. Like, he's talking to somebody else. I'm just going to keep walking. But when you say my name, There's an immediate connection. I will immediately turn towards you. I'm gonna figure out who is this? Where are they? What do they want? And God says, man, prayer is an immediate connection that you can have with God. As soon as you call on his name, he's listening. Here's the great thing that I know about prayer. Uh, God never screens your phone calls. I screen all kind of phone calls, okay? I have this rule that if I don't have your number saved in my phone, I don't pick up. Now, if you leave me a message and, and I check the message, I'm like, oh, that's John. Then I'll create a new contact and I'll call you back. But if you ever call me and I don't have your number stored and you don't leave me a message, like, I don't think twice about it. Like, I'll screen a call in a minute. Some of you are stored on my phone. And I'm, I look at it, I'm like, mm, I'll call back later. <laughs> I mean, not y'all, as people at the 930 service, but they, I, I screen their calls. All the, I, I answer y'all's calls all the time. But God never screens your call. There's never a time where you prayed where God was like, Nope, not them again. Now I'll call, I'm busy, I'll call them back later. Sometimes uh, people believe that God you know, has an iPhone. Of course he has an iPhone if he had a phone. Uh, but, but there's a button at the bottom that says favorites. And sometimes believe, people believe that me as a pastor, I'm on God's favorite list in his phone. Because they're like, oh, let's get Nathan to pray. Because like, Nathan has this direct line with God. Like he's got the bat phone, right? He's got the, the little red phone that rings weird. And God immediately picks it up. But you, you're just on the regular contacts list. And so if he's busy, he's not going to pick up. But Nathan's a pastor. He works for God. That's not how it works. God doesn't screen anybody's calls. God doesn't have any favorites. A pastor's call doesn't jump your call in line. It's not like I don't have to wait on hold or I don't have to, like, it doesn't work that way. Every time you call, God picks up, does not screen. And so if you knew that, that's the reason why it says, Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, because that's how you get his attention. That's how you know there's an immediate connection with God. If you feel like there's some space between you and God right now, some distance, I'll tell you the fastest way to make that distance up is to talk. I mean, it's the same with any other relationship in your life. If you're feeling distant from someone else in your life, it's probably because you haven't talked to them in a while. You don't know what's going on. You haven't heard from them. 
You've lost that connection. And if you call them, you ever, you ever called somebody like that and, and you're friends with him and, and you haven't talked to him in a long time, but, but you say something like, man, even though I haven't talked to him in a long time, we talk for an hour and it feels like we just, we just, we, we've never had a distance between us. That's what it would take to, to spark that relationship with you and God again. All you gotta do is pick up the phone and you know he picks up. He never screens. He never sends you to voicemail. He never says, I'll call you back later on. I'll have time for you. Father, start your prayer out with that. Why do we pray? Because prayer automatically connects you with God. Number two, prayer gives you his perspective. Prayer will give you some perspective. Anybody interested in that? Anybody got anything going on in their life right now that they don't know why it's happening or they don't know why God would allow it to happen or they're frustrated at it or it just doesn't make sense? You ought to pray because prayer gives you perspective. Now, it doesn't say this in the book of Luke, but you go to the Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew, and it's got this added phrase, because it says, pray like this, our Father in heaven. You gotta understand, when, when God is in heaven, he has a perspective that you don't have. God sees the past, the present, and the future. He knows the reason behind everything that happens. Here's the way I like to think of it. Um, prayer with God is, is like instant replay in the NFL. You and I see a live play, what's going on right now. We call it, we're like, yep, foot's in, touchdown, score, easy call. And the ref blows it. They're like, nah, it's, it's out of bounds. And you're screaming at the TV. What do they do? Call the booth, throw the red flag, let's do instant replay. Because instant replay has a thousand cameras all around the stadium. They can see every angle. They can put it in slow-mo. They can do like forward, backward, forward, backward, like boomerang. They can do it all. They can zoom in so that they can see like a little bit of where the toe touches right before it went out of bounds. God has that ability, but not of what happened in the past. He has that of what's happening in the future. You can say, I mean, think about it. If you were an NFL coach, what if you had a, a button that you could press to say, hey, can you tell me the play that the defense is gonna run next? Because if I know what play they're gonna run, then, then I can shape my offense and we'll score every time. You wanna know why you should pray? Because our Father is in heaven that has a perspective that you don't have. He knows why things happened in the past and knows the things that will happen in the future. He knows where you are right now and how it all fits into the grand scheme of your life and your story. Now, if you knew that he knew that, would you pray? Would you go to him and say, hey God, you wanna give me some insight? <laughs> God, you have a different perspective. You know things, you hear things, you say things, you have things planned, you have the power that I don't have. That's why Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy, it's set apart. You're smart, I'm not. You, you know the future, I don't. There's so many gaps between me and you, it's not even funny, God. That's why I'm, I'm coming in and, and, and praying. The, the, the last phrase of that, that verse here in Luke says, your kingdom come your kingdom come. Let me tell you, let me tell you about yesterday. Uh, the Revo team was split up into three different places yesterday. We had a funeral here of a man, a uh, grandfather and a father of, of a person that comes to our church and uh, lived a good life and um, loved the family that was here. Half of our team was there. Um, there was another funeral on the other side of town of a, a toddler that thousands of people had been praying for and fasting for, for, for weeks. And there was a funeral for that toddler. And then me and some of the other crew were in rural hall because there was a 33-year-old a girl 
that attended the North Campus. And she got married about a year and a half ago. And on December 24th, she had her first baby. And eight days later, she dropped dead. And at that funeral, you got a, a husband that's been married for about 15 months that now is holding a newborn baby and his world's in turmoil. The book of Revelation tells us that one day Jesus will return and he will wipe every tear from every eye. And when God's kingdom comes back here, there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more fear, no more frustration, no more unanswered questions. And when you live enough Saturdays like my yesterday was, you'll learn to ask God every day, thy kingdom come. God, I'm tired of the tears. God, how many unanswered questions, how many Saturdays are there gonna be like yesterday? And Jesus said, you know what? You're gonna face that sometimes in your life. And that's why I'm teaching you now. Pray that God's kingdom would come because when his kingdom comes, there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more unanswered questions. No more gaps to fill. No more grieving husbands. No more moms that can no longer hold their three-year-old anymore. No more grandkids missing their grandparents. It'll be gone. Father, instant connection. Who art in heaven, a great perspective. Hallowed be your name. You're holy. You're smart. Thy kingdom come. God, please. That's why you should pray. Verse three reads like this. Give us each day our daily bread. See, Jesus teaches us that. Give us each day our daily bread. Um, God is teaching us here to ask him for what we need every single day. Like I know a lot of churches right now are doing like 21 days of fasting to start the year off. Some people are doing Daniel diet, whatever. You need to go home and tell them, my Bible says God asked us to eat bread every single day. Pray for it. Give us this day our daily carbs. He doesn't say give us this day our vegetables. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Just teaching you what the Bible says. But here's the thing, man. It, it, it's, it's, Jesus is teaching us, I want you to rely on God for your needs. Ask God for what you need. That's why he says bread, it's a need of yours. You gotta eat, right? And so like ask God every day. Ask him for our, our needs. Here's number three. Uh, prayer activates God's generosity. That's what prayer does. Jesus said, pray that God would what? Give. See, did you know that? Like, if you knew that your prayers open up the doors of heaven so that God's blessings could rain down in your life, then something tells me you'd pray more. Jesus says, pray. Why? Because it opens up God's pocketbook. It opens up God's wallet. It makes God's blessings accessible to your life. Ask him for it. That's what Jesus says. Pray that he would give. Give us this day what we need. That's why we pray. It, it, it activates God's generosity. One of, one of the leading voices of prayer in the 90s was a, a, a theologian by the name of M.C. Hammer. And he said this, you ought to pray just to make it today. We pray every day. That's two rap references. You don't get that from other churches, man. Come on. Mine, it's hard work. Here's the problem. You know what we want? We want Costco prayers. We don't want daily prayers. We want Costco prayers. You don't go to Costco every day. I mean, you, you go to Costco and you, you buy toilet paper in a, in a box of 96. 
if you're having to go to Costco every day and buy 96 rolls of toilet paper, you need to be praying. Like there's something wrong. <laughs> Something's happening. But that's the purpose of Costco. We go once a month. And so right there, I'm just going to get everything that I need for the month. I don't want to have to go back. And that's what we want to pray. God, I want peace in bulk. Give me 48 rolls of it right now. Uh, God, provision, give me everything that I need for the whole year right now. And then I'll trust you with it. And we come to God and we're, we want Costco. We want to buy it in bulk. We want to have it in storage. We want to find our security in that. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to pray Costco prayers, daily prayers. Give me the bread that I need today. You want to know why you don't need to pray for the bread that you need tomorrow? Because you're going to pray for the bread you need tomorrow, tomorrow. Just give me what I need today. God, give me my, not my weekly bread, not my monthly bread, not my Sam's Club bulk bread. Give me my daily, daily bread. Because prayer, it's also a reminder in verse three that prayer is not just about us getting what we need from God. If it was just about getting what we need, then we could ask him one time and fill up the cart. It's about a relationship. It's about intimacy. It's about knowing God. It's about spending time with God every day. So yes, he's gonna give you what you need and we go to him and we ask him every single day. Give us today. Give us our our daily bread. That's why you should pray. It unlocks God's generosity for your life and gives you what you need to do, what he's called you to do. Verse four says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This is where it gets messy, right? Fourth thing, why you should pray. Uh, Prayer kills conflict. You got conflict in your life? Pray about it. Here's what I know. When, when Jesus said, forgive me of, of my sins, this is how we know this is not Jesus's prayer. I know it's called the Lord's prayer, but Jesus never sinned. And so he wasn't saying, I ask for forgiveness. He's telling us, this is the Lord's prayer for us. He says, when you pray, ask God for forgiveness. But also when you're asking God for forgiveness, that, that handles the conflict between you and God that your sin creates. But also I need for you to ask and, and give forgiveness to those that are around you. Because think about it. The, the vast majority of the conflict that you have in your life stems from someone said or did something to you or that hurt you and you haven't forgiven them. You're still holding on to it. And there's some bitterness and there's some resentment that is happening that's created conflict and you don't like the person. You don't like to look at them. You don't like to talk about them. You don't like to think about it. Sometimes when you think about it, it makes you want to punch a hole in a wall. Sometimes it makes you want to cry and you break down and you, like it's anxiety and it's, you're nervous and it's just like, God says, that's why you, you don't want to hold that. You don't want to hold that burden. You weren't made for that burden. So forgive those people. Forgive them and it'll kill conflict. Like it's so much, and I, and I hear you like, oh yeah, easy for you to say, Nathan, you don't know what's happened. You don't know what that person's done. You know what God's response would be to that? Yep, it's hard. You wanna know what I had to give up to forgive you? You wanna know what it cost me so that I would not be in conflict with you? Yeah, his name was Jesus. And if I can give my son and sacrifice him, then I think you can sacrifice your ego to resolve a conflict and to ask for forgiveness. Forgive me. That's, that's the idea. When you remind yourself what Jesus has done to forgive you, it makes it a little bit easier to forgive those that have wronged you. 
as we begin to say, God, thank you for forgiving me despite all the things I've said and despite all the things I've done. Like I realize I am a recipient of your grace and that immediately turns around to, now that grace is extended to others because everything that's ever been done to me is the same thing that I've done to God and yet somehow he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you and I could have forgiveness and eternal life. Why, why should you pray? Uh, because after all you have been forgiven for, it would be crazy for you not to extend that same level of forgiveness towards someone else. And prayer ultimately kills conflict. The last phrase of verse four is this, lead us not into temptation. Last one, number five, why, why should you pray? Number five, prayer gives direction. Prayer gives direction. Did you catch that phrase? He said, uh, lead us. There's two ways that you need to be led. There's a lead us and there's a lead us not. If you want direction in your life, if you want to know what the next step is, if you've got a big decision and you're like, I don't know which way to go, I don't know which way to turn, which job to take, which gal to marry, how to spend this money, which house to buy, which direction to go in, pray. Lead us. God, lead me. Left to my own devices, I will wreck this life in a heartbeat. Like I've, I have shown you that I am prone to bad choices. And when I think about it and I do what's right in my eyes, it seems to come back and bite me every single time. But God, your word says that if we will pray, then you will lead us. Hey, Nathan, I know it makes sense to you. Don't go in that direction. Don't choose that way. That's gonna lead down a road you don't wanna go on. That's consequences you don't want right now. All right, God, then lead me. Go, go down here take a left like God prayer becomes our spiritual GPS man I don't know where to go I don't want to drive my whole life around in circles lead me God lead us lead us away from certain things God lead us towards certain things lead us not into temptation um, so why why should you pray so that, that God can save you from those things life is full of pitfalls and frustrations and barriers and traps don't fall for it just ask God God save me from that Save me for those things. Let me close with, with five through seven. It says, then, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Uh, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose that the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, if you're over 30 years old, that makes absolutely no sense. You're like, midnight? You ain't been up since mid, like past midnight in years. But if you're under 30, this is, your, this is your verse right here. Like this is a Tuesday night for you. Waking up at midnight and be like, you know what would be good right now? Some Olive Garden breadsticks. Yeah. Man, can we Uber that in? Can you Uber East that? They're closed. How about Red Lobster? Those cheesy biscuits? It's nothing for you. Here's the story in this context though. Uh, most homes in the first century uh, were one room homes. It's not like you had a den and a kitchen and a living room and all the bedrooms were upstairs. It was one room. And so we didn't have electricity. So when the sun went down, it was like, what are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna go to bed, <laughs> right? There's no light. And what people would do is in this culture, everyone owned animals, uh, you know, that, that, that they either rode or that worked for them. And at night, you couldn't leave your animals outside because they'd get stolen or they'd run away. And so here's what would happen. Once you got all of your family, and again, this is a multi-generational family. So in one one-room house, you might have 12, 15 different people, three or four different generations. But the owner of the home would bring the animals inside the house and he would put them in front of the doors. 
It's kind of old school security system, right? You want to break in, you're going to get kicked by the donkey as soon as you come in the door. And so the story says after this man has gotten all of his kids, all of his grandkids in the bed, in this one room, all the lights are out, all the candles have been extinguished, and all of the animals are guarding the front door. They're just, they're just sitting in front of the front door. Some guy down the road starts knocking on the door. Like, I got a college buddy of mine that came into town, and he needs some bread. Like, we got to have something to eat. And the guy on the inside, the Bible says, man, I'm not getting out for you. My family's in the bed. Because you got to remember, if this guy would have gotten up, here's what he'd had done. Turn the light on, would have woken everybody up. You know how long it took us to get that baby down? No. Then he had to get all the animals and open up the door and lead them out of the house and tie them up again and then come in and then step over his mother-in-law to get over here to the kitchen and get this bread out for this dude. And the Bible says like, no, I'm not doing that. Like that, that's not like you and I are not close enough. We are, we are not good enough friends. And here's how the story closes. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So you got to understand that God doesn't answer your prayers because you're his boy. God's not like, oh, we're super close, man. So whatever you ask, I'm going to give you. Nope. See, the Bible says sometimes our prayers are answered based on the frequency of the need. See, this man refused to stop knocking on the door. And the guy on the inside finally said, hey man, if you're knocking that much, that must be a real need of yours. And so I'm gonna meet it. That's exactly how God works in our life. Sometimes when I take my youngest daughter to Target, she wants everything she sees. Dad, I want that. Dad, I want that. Go to the next aisle. Dad, I want that. Girl, you don't even know what that is. Do you know what that is? No, but it's got pretty wrapping on it. Like it's in a, it's in a pretty box. And here's what I do. As soon as I get off that aisle, she never says it again. She didn't even know what it is. She didn't really want that. She was just saying that. Sometimes that's how our prayer works. Sometimes we'll ask God. I've met people that have asked God one time. I was like, hey, have you prayed about it? Yeah, I asked him one time. I prayed one time, God fixed my marriage and it wasn't fixed by the end of the week, so he don't care. Hey God, I need for you to make a way by five o'clock today. <laughs> and I asked him one time, see if it's a real need in your life, here's what you'll do. You won't stop knocking, you'll keep asking. And sometimes God will hear a need and say, let me figure out how bad that's a need of yours. Man, because if it really burdens you and you really care about it, then you'll keep knocking. And God answers prayers like that, not because you're close with him or because he owes you something or he thinks it's a good idea. The Bible teaches us that our answer to prayer is connected with the frequency that we connect with God. How often are you connecting with God? How often are you asking that God would provide for your daily needs? How often are you asking God, like, I need your perspective. Pull out the instant replay. I need to know what the future holds. How often are you asking for the spiritual GPS to tell you which direction to turn into? All of those things are connected to our prayer lives. And in one simple statement, it became the most significant question that the disciples ever asked Jesus. Teach us how to pray. And with that, their lives were changed. And so can yours. So let's pray. God, help us. God, we want to connect with you. We want to know you. And so, Father, we call out to you right now. There's people in the room that, that feel far and distant from you, God. And right now, they're calling out to you, Father. And they want to see you, and they want to, they want to know you. They want to know that you love them, and that 
that you've never left them. God, we, we need some perspective, man. It seems like the world is going off the hinges right now. We need your perspective. We need your insight on what's happened in the past and why it happened and what's going on right now in the present of our life and, and what you have for the future. God, you have all of that in the hands. You see it all. There's nothing you don't know. So we're coming to you, Father, in heaven with the perspective that we don't have. We're asking you, hallowed be your name. You're holy. We're not. You're smart. We're not. You're all knowing and all being and all present and we're not. God, your kingdom come. The world is broken and it won't be changed until you come back. So God, if it's not today, we're going to be obedient and we're going to continue to pray, but we're asking God that you would return so that one day there would be no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow. That's a promise from your word. So we're asking for it. God, give us the direction that we need in our life. Help us to kill the conflict that we have. God, you did away with the conflict with us by sending your son, Jesus. Teach us how to offer that kind of forgiveness to others. God, teach us how to pray. Not the words to say, but why it matters so much. God, instill that in our hearts and in our minds. Give us the wisdom and discernment to know what to do with the words that we have just heard. I ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.